On April 20th, 1989, the police found the unconscious body of a 28-year-old jogger. The night before, Trisha Mealy was assaulted and raped and subsequently remained in a coma for almost two weeks with no recollection of the events. After this horrific crime, five male teenagers, both Hispanic and black, were quickly arrested and then wrongfully convicted without any physical evidence. Over a decade later in 2002, after DNA testing was done, the true perpetrator confessed to the crime and the Supreme Court vacated the boys of their crimes. Then in 2003, the boys filed a court case and eventually received $41 million for their wrongful convictions. Even though in the end, the boys were set free and received a fine sum of money in restitution, this case shined a light on the corruption and possible discrimination in New York City's justice system at the time. In this case, obviously the boys ended up free, but today I want to look into the whole situation leading up to their arrest and why they ended up getting convicted so fast. So it all started April 19th at around 9 p.m. A group of about 30 boys were running around Central Park and were up to no good. They were roaming around Central Park between 105th and 102nd Street, attacking bicyclists, throwing rocks at taxis, and assaulting and robbing a pedestrian leaving him unconscious. Once the crimes were starting to be reported, police attempted to arrest the boys, but they headed to the south side of the park. At the south side of the park, the group attacked four joggers. One of the joggers was hit in the head with a pipe and was bleeding so badly that it appeared his head was dipped in a bucket of blood. Trisha Mealy was not found until about 1.30 a.m., but it was estimated the assault and rape occurred around 9 p.m. The same times, the same time as the boys showed up to the park. Now keep in mind that Central Park is huge, like really big. Central Park covers around 843 acres. That is over one square mile. Anything can happen anywhere, and there are enough trees and foliage that it wouldn't be hard to commit a crime without being seen. You might think that there would have been eyewitnesses or that maybe it wouldn't have taken four hours for an unconscious body to be found, but just wanted to put that out there. Now back to that night. So police officers were sent to Central Park around 9.30 p.m. to catch these kids. Around 20 teenagers were apprehended throughout the night. Among the 20 were Kevin Richardson, a 14-year-old, and Raymond Satana, who was also 14. Three more boys, Antron McCrae, who was 15, Yusef Salam, who was 15 too, and Corey Wise, who was 16, were arrested the next day after their friends narked on them. These five boys were taken in for the earlier crimes committed against the bicyclists, pedestrians, and other joggers, but eventually became the main suspects for the assault and rape of Trisha Muley. I can't really blame the piece. Oh my god. Excuse me. I can't really blame the police for making these kids the main suspects of the Mealy case because one, they were involved in earlier crimes, and two, they were in the same area at around the same time the rape was estimated to have occurred. Around a total of 12 kids were accused of the assault, but most of them were dismissed. But for the main five kids, this looked bad. The five boys were then interrogated for a minimum of seven hours each before being videotaped for their confessions. During the seven hour interrogation period, we're not really sure what was said to these boys. 
but we do know that whatever the police said caused the boys to confess to the crime. You might be thinking, why would they admit to something they didn't do? Well, many people have questioned whether or not the interrogation methods were coercive. None of the boys had a lawyer and only some of their parents were present during the taped confession. Adding on to this, one of the boys testified that he could hear the police beating up another boy in another room. They were told by police that if they just admitted to the crimes, that they would have their sentences lessened. They were just scared teenagers. Now we need to look at how and why the boys got convicted of these crimes. Obviously, they made false confessions, but when the time of the trial came around, they all pleaded not guilty to the accusations. So there were two trials between the five boys. The first trial began June 25th and ended on August 22nd, 1990. This trial was for Antron McRae, Yusuf Salam, and Raymond Santana. Each of the boys had their own defense attorneys. There wasn't too much information on the first trial that I could find, but we do know that there were no, eye, no eyewitnesses. The DNA evidence excluded them, and their confessions were very inconsistent. Even then, the jury deliberated for 10 days, giving the verdict of not guilty to attempted murder and guilty for assault and rape of Trisha Mealy. They were sentenced to the maximum punishment allowed for minors. Now the second trial began August 22nd, 1990, and I was able to find a lot more information on it. Corey Wise and Kevin Richardson were on the hot seat this time. This trial's start was rough from the get-go. After the... Excuse me. After the prosecutor's opening statement, Corey Wise started crying and started yelling about how she was lying. I think at this moment, Corey Wise truly realized the seriousness of the situation. The whole case for the defense was about how the boys had limited intellectual ability, therefore making their taped confessions invalid. The defense also called out the detectives and their techniques used to get a confession out of the boys. Surprisingly, the jury said that the confessions made weren't convincing, but that the physical evidence was substantial enough to convict the boys. Kevin Richardson was convicted of the attempted murder, assault, and rape charges. Corey Wise was acquitted of attempted murder and rape, but was convicted of sexual abuse and assault. Now, after the trial, each of the boys had different sentencing depending on what happened and the crimes that they were convicted of. Yusuf Salam served six years and eight months in juvenile detention before being released on parole. Raymond Santana served six years and eight months in juvenile detention before being released on parole. He was released and exonerated in 2002 when the actual rapist was found. Kevin Richardson served seven years in juvenile detention. Antron McRae served six years before being released on parole. Corey Wise served 13 years and eight months in multiple state prisons. Most of the sentences made sense to me, but Corey Wise, because he's one of the youngest kids, and he was acquitted of the serious crimes didn't make sense to me just because of how young he was and that he wasn't convicted of the more serious crimes, of course. In 2002, Matthias Reyes was serving time a life sentence for the rape of a different woman in the same park. One night, he told a correctional officer that he was the person who raped Mealy and that he committed the crime 
alone. After DNA testing, his confession was found to be true. Corey Wise was the only one still serving time for his convictions, but was then released. The rest of the boys were then vacated of their crimes. In my opinion, this whole case was just scuffed. I don't necessarily want to blame the jury or the prosecutors because at the end of the day, they're just doing their job. I think that the detectives that gave the false confessions out of the boys were everything that went wrong with this case. Were the boys completely innocent that night? No. They definitely didn't help themselves by acting like a bunch of thugs that night. But did they rape and assault Trisha Milley? No. Was the state in the wrong? Did the boys receive a fair amount of money in restitution? Should the detectives be punished for the forcing of a false confession? What do you think?